this is the on the radar show with your host radar as he highlights the sports topic of the week and while also diving into pop culture this is on the radar show yep with me your host radar and as always we always talk about local and national sports and pop culture and just to peek a little behind the curtains i usually record this every single wednesday and I look up stuff ahead of time and I prepare for it. And the goal was to tell you about the new show on NBC. Zoe's Infinite Playlist, the new half-hour anime sitcom Duncanville, and ABC's new trial, you know, law show about a man in prison and for life. And to talk about the finale of Arrow. But as life happens, things don't always go the way you want. And things get pushed away to the side. So next week, I will talk to you guys about the three new shows and the finale of Arrow. Today, though, we'll start with football because everybody loves football, and in Chicago, it's the number one most popular team in sport. So the Bears, everybody, they first say early in the offseason that Mitchell Trubisky is our guy. They're going to continue to make, he's going to be the quarterback. But then they go, now nah, we're going to looking for some veteran to work with him in camp. And, you know, I'm like, okay, fine. We're hearing them say, we'll trade for Andy Dalton or give up draft capital for Derek Carr or Jacoby Brissett, or yeah, let's sign Case Keenum or Winston who throws a thousand interceptions. It doesn't make any sense. I, the most logical choices are Teddy Bridgewater because he doesn't turn the ball over that much, and he was five and zero last year. But it's Drew Brees and both the Saints and the Bears are pretty good defenses. They have pretty smart offensive-minded head coaches, and they got some skilled players, a wide receiver and tight end that, and running back that could help the t- to help the quarterback out. So Teddy Bridgewater would make sense. He's also been in this division, so he's faced the Packers and the Lions before, and he used to play for the Vikings. He would be the number one choice, but he's going to cost a lot of money. Another guy that I think about getting is Marcus Mariota. Yes, he lost his job to Ryan Tannehill, but he's supposed to be one of these very smart quarterbacks, and he can handle a complex offensive system, and with a good defense behind him and some skilled players around him, yeah, the Bears need to definitely fix our offensive line. Health is an issue with the offensive line. Marcus Mariota would be option number two. I don't want to see them get Case Keenum. I don't want them to trade draft picks for Derek Carr or Andy Dalton. Phillip Rivers is a little bit too old. It's a little too turnover prone. That would be if, man, the Bears had a, they still had a great defense. Their kicker was reliable. Their offensive line was healthy and good. And they had a consistent running game. They don't have all that. And I don't think Rivers would be perfect for the Bears either. I think that you say Nagy would want to fix Jameis Winston. But there's been enough years on Jameis Winston for me to go, eh, I know, and they're going to be like, oh, no, Marcus Mariota was drafted, you know, same draft, and they're always going to debate who would have the better career. I still think the Bears, if they want to get a veteran on, like, a one-year deal to try to beat up Mitchell Trubisky, it's got to be Marcus Mariota. If you want somebody who's better than Mitchell Trubisky, you're going to have to go with Teddy Bridgewater. Case Keenum doesn't do crap. The Bears' last few quarterbacks that haven't been Trubisky have been Mike Lennon, a career backup to Jameis Winston, or Chase Daniels, who's a career backup. When you signal to a team that we signed career backup journeyman type of quarterbacks that we're not getting, guys who have been a starter before, guys who are, have had a track record, that means you're just saying it's automatically Trubisky's jobs. Like for years, the Giants never got a good backup to Eli Manning because they never wanted to admit that Eli wasn't the starter. Now, some teams don't have a backup because their, their quarterback is so good, and then somehow a freak injury will happen, and then they don't know what to do. Signing backups, signing these guys who are just backups is not going to help you. And when your quarterback situation is shaky, it's not bowing well for the team because the Bears know that, okay, 
They're going to continue to go out there with the same quarterback, and they're not going to actually try. Now, the in baseball news, there wasn't that much signings the last week because spring training's, you know, been playing games and whatnot, and World Baseball Classic's coming up. So basically, the only moves have been that Dalton Pompey, a former Blue Jays player who could never stay healthy, and the Blue Jays just stockpiled outfielders from other teams, he signed a minor deal with the Dimebacks, who already signed Trace Thompson and John Jay to minor league deal, who already solidified their outfield by getting Starling Marte to trade and also signing Cole Calhoun, so they have a starting outfield that's really good. So I don't think Dalton Pompey is going to play games for them unless lots of injuries happen. And the Sox, they re-signed Zach Putnam to minor league deal. Not re-signed, but he used to play for us, then he went, then he went away, and now he's back. Now, the Sox bullpen, as I said, Aaron Bummer with that extension, and now it's Kyle Bay. The only two relievers I can rely on. Calvin Herrera was injured and, inc- and horrible last year. Most of the young guys are either healthy or inconsistent. Un- I mean, unhealthy or inconsistent. And Jimmy Cordero's bounced around from team to team as well. And Evan Marshall loves his first good season and his most innings in his career in a while. So, you know, Zach Putnam's healthy and the Sox are familiar. And Don Cooper knows him well enough. That would be the person that I'd be, okay, there's a good chance that Zach Putnam makes the Sox bullpen if he's healthy. And then Tom Kohler, who was one of those good mid-to-back rotation pitchers for the Marlins who aren't that great, he, you know, he left them and then he got hurt and he basically never pitched for the Dodgers two seasons ago. And then last season, he was rehabbing with, you know, the Pirates. He never, he didn't pitch a major league inning for them. And then he came back this offseason pitching and he signed another minor league deal, but he decided, you know, it's too much. And the way I can remember Tom Kohler is I always remember their toilets and urinals they had their Tom Kohler. Now, other baseball news is Nickelodeon has the show All That that they had on in the 90s. They brought it back. Keenan and Kel are, you know, executive producer. And they had a sketch where there was a pinata, and they couldn't open it up, and the ginger-haired girl goes, I, I, somebody owes me a favor, and they gotta they can hit the ball stuff really far. And when I'm thinking about which L.A. baseball player I'm going to have be on a show, Clinton Kershaw is not a hitter, so that rules him out. And I'm going Mike Trout. But no, people don't really know my trout. I only seen him do like Subway before. It's not like I've seen him do any or Gator. I haven't seen him done anything big. And the guy just won MVP, Cody Bellinger. I would go with him. When Puig was on the Dodgers, I would go with him as well. And they just got Mookie Betts. And this, you know, I don't know if these are all filmed ahead of time because SNL's film live. I don't think all that is filmed live. But they went with Justin Turner. And I was like, being a Mets fan, Justin Turner never lived up to what he was supposed to be, so the Mets played him at every other position, first base, second base, third base, in the outfield. So the fact that he's been a late bloomer with the Dodgers is a nice thing to see, but out of all the L.A. players, I wouldn't have picked him to be on a children's TV show hitting a pinata, but yeah, it was interesting to see him. And in basketball so far, Bulls, they're a mess. We're not going to talk about them right now until they actually make changes to head coach and the front office, Chris Dunn's out, ruled out for the rest of the season. The Bulls are not going to win with him or without him. The only thing I'm get, saying is, is if Chris Dunn's injured and you still not get at full strength, just play Kobe White every day at point guard. Tomas Anariski, Chandler Hunts, all these guys, Shaquille Harris, all these guys are backups. Start Kobe White, for God's sakes, but that's another thing. Now, there's no surprise here that the Bucks are the number one seed. The Celtics are top seed. The surprise is the Sixers are all the way in the sixth spot. Pacers... Top five seed, I knew they'd be middle of the pack. The surprise is that Miami Heat is a top four seed. I thought, eh, they'd be a playoff team. And the Nets, don't know what they did this year with Kyrie Irving playing and playing through injury. They should have just ruled them out for the rest of the year. 
like in 2019, you said you're done, not even get to 2020 because now he's not going to be fully healthy in time for next season, you know, to work with Kevin Durant. And the Raptors, I knew they'd be a playoff team. And I thought, okay, they're not good, but somehow they're still winning. I'm guessing Fred Van Fleet, Siakam, OG Abinube, and the veterans, Gasol, and Ibaka, and Kyle Lowry, they're all playing well together as a whole. The fact that they're the two seeds is very interesting. Now, I knew the Magic could be a playoff team, so that's not a surprise as well. I thought the Pistons might be a playoff team, but without, when you don't have Blake Griffin, you trade Andre Drummond, and you buy out Richie Jackson, and you also buy out a Morris brother, things are not going to go well. I also thought maybe the Knicks would have the worst record, but somehow the Cavaliers and the Hawks have worse record than them. The Hornets, I knew they were going to be bad. Same thing with the Wizards. Now, the Wizards are only two, one game, uh, only a couple of games back in the win-loss column for the A spot, but there's no way that they're making the playoffs. And the Western Conference, I knew the Lakers and Clippers would be good. I'm just surprised the Nuggets don't have the number one over seed. The Jazz are in 50. The Rockets have been on the surge when they're playing the small ball without Clint Capella when they traded him. And because of the Warriors' horrible season due to injuries, and the Spurs not having a great start to the season. The Trailblazers not having a good start to the season. That's how a team like the Mavericks take the seventh spot and they really take the eighth spot. And Timberwolves have been super disappointing. Now that even though they have D'Angelo Russell with Carl Anthony Towns, the Pelicans are missing Zion, so you never know what's going to happen. I don't think they're going to get any. They need at least to win five more games to, to get all the way ahead to the eighth spot. It's really the fact that the Thunder. When he traded Paul George and Russell Westbrook, and Chris Paul was, was told he doesn't want to be there. Gallinari was traded there, you know. But they're going to tank, or they're going to try to trade all their players. And they're a playoff team. That's very surprising. They won more games, basically, than they won last year as well. That's been the more surprising thing. Now, the reason why I was unable to get to those three shows and Arrow, and as I said, I'm, I continue to watch episode four and it, it indebted, and so far... They haven't done anything to fix it. I have yet to watch Tommy and Katie Keene's fourth episode to let you know. But I'm really hoping that they renew 911 because so far it's been the Lone Star. It's been very good every episode so far as well. Deputy's been good every episode I've watched so far. And FBI Most Wanted being a straight up procedural. That show doesn't really disappoint me whatsoever. Now the, re- the reason that I wasn't able to get to Watching those, uh, watching and reviewing those first three episodes of those three shows and finishing Arrow, which I'm going to do this weekend, is because as I was coming home from the library where I record my podcast, I got news from my mother. She couldn't wait till we got to the house that my grandfather passed away. Now, this grandfather is not the grandfather that, you know, passed away a while back, like at least five years ago, who I talk to every week about sports. He raised me on some sports, you know, you know. Just getting me sporting equipment, baseball cards, you know, doing sporting stuff together, like going to the, the Basketball and Baseball Hall of Fame with him together. And that guy, I just talked to him about sports on such a deep level, even if I don't like the Yankees or the Knicks or the Jets, I would talk to him about that at a deep level. This grandfather was more of a grandfather. The other one was more like a buddy, a best friend. This grandfather had all these superlatives that you could say about him. Everybody said, I, I, it's an ideal childhood having him and my grandmother's parents, you know, my uncle and aunts and my dad were lucky to have them. You know, he is a war hero. He a uh, Holocaust survivor. So basically, he and his brothers, they escaped the Holocaust and they all went their separate ways. My grandfather, instead of saying, you know, I'm home safe and free. I'm in the United States. I'm in this area. I'm in Chicago. I'm safe. He went out 
And of course, eventually he met my grandmother and she went, they waited two years to get married, but he went and decided, I'm going to go enlist, you know, to become a citizen. It's helpful to, to, to draft you and stuff with the promise of being a citizen. He joins the military and because, you know, the United States was like, could we trust the German to go to Germany and whatnot? They sent him out to the Pacific. So my grandfather, after escaping the Holocaust, which is something remarkable that, again, not everybody did because of all the people that we lost, not just Jews, but, you know, gypsies and other and other religions and cultures that, you know, that uh, Hitler, you know, got rid of. That he joined the military. He was in the military for two years. He fought in World War II after escaping the Holocaust. His brother, George, went to France and he helped decode German messages for the French and their other brother, Siggy, who I never got to personally meet because he, as soon as he's got the Holocaust, he was one of the original people to help settle Israel in the 1940s. They all did remarkable things. In the middle school, I wrote a paper for this Jewish, you know, place for the, all the Jewish days school called Asher Essay Contest, where I got to interview, you know, them and watch videos of them and things that, you know, when they've been interviewed before about things. And my grandfather didn't like talk about the war that much, uh, you know, escaping the Holocaust, you were speaking German that much. But you start off your adult life with, I escaped the Holocaust, it was a very difficult thing. Then joined the military and surviving. Then, you know, he tried, you know, tried, you know, living in California, getting a job there. It didn't work out, so he moved back home to Chicago. He worked for the post office for all those years. So, you know, he's just going to, he's going to work, clocking in, clocking out, you know. And the good thing is, because he's not from here, he didn't have any allegiances. They, they were the, my dad and my brother were White Sox fans and that passed down to me and their children and that he wasn't somebody who's been here forever and there's a Cubs fan. But yeah, he liked the White Sox and he watched occasional baseball game. But I always remember every Sunday that he's very emotional and watching the Bears game. A lot of times, oh, they stink. I don't want to watch it. But I can remember pretty much every Sunday for most of my life that he's watching the Bears game on his TV all the time. Every Sunday, he didn't want to miss a game or not worry about it. That he would always watch it. That would be the sport that, and most most likely, that he the team he wouldn't want to miss his favorite team in a way. But yeah, I never really got deep down in talking about sports with him. He'd be the grandparent who I talk to him about random things more than anything else. He, you know, besides from you know being that you know ideal quote unquote American who goes to work, provides for their family. He was one of the most handiest people ever, going on the roof and fixing things. And, you know, installing things and redoing all the cabinets and the lights in the house and installing everything in the house. And at his age at 100 years old, which you could say it's a blessing to have somebody live to 100, even if, you know, you weren't prepared for the person to pass away, is that he, at 100, was a much better driver than probably 50 to 70% of people on the road. He used, his, he used a computer, a laptop. He had a smartphone. He did the taxes for people. He made bread every single week. He did a lot of cleaning in the house. And a lot of, you know, he paid all the bills by himself. and did all these things by himself as, you know, that most people in their 70s and 80s have to go to nursing home, retirement homes, assisted living. And they can't, you know, do all these things. He was basically like a seven-year-old living in a hundred-year-old's body. Like anything you walk into the house, you see in the bathroom, instead of regular using a towel, like you got, like a public restroom, toilet paper, I mean, a paper towel dispenser, shelves that weren't in there, hooks in the kitchen, you know, adding, uh, you know, different lights in the room so they're better things. You know, in the shower, making things different, the upstairs bathroom, just every little handy thing you can see that's in the house or any, you know, things they did since they moved into the house in the 60s, 
you know, modifications. He did it all. I was saying he could fix cars. He did everything for the most part. And that, you know, after a while, he couldn't build his own, you know, sukkah, which is a Jewish holiday with huts out there. Other people did it. He used to garden the backyard. They garden stuff, you know, take care of his lawn. He never once, you know, hired a landscaping service. It was, I want to do it myself. I don't want anybody else to do it for me. He could stall toilets, all these things. He wasn't somebody going out of there to do something. Obviously, when you get to a certain age, you're going to ask people to help as well. So it wasn't like he was doing every single thing that he used to do into his hundred, but still driving, making bread, doing all this cleaning, to the taxes, you know, paying all the bills, using computer and being able to use a smartphone. It's pretty impressive. Using the TV, programming things on the DVR so you can record things, you know, using Amazon all the time to order packages and things like that, going, going to Sam's Club and buying things. Pretty impressive as well. I don't think many people who are, you know, in, in, I said in the 70s, 80s, could do all the things he did. So it's really hard to describe somebody. Yes, he lived in 100 into one sentence. War hero. He's like a veteran. He got all these accommodations in the military. You know, they gave an American flag at his wedding. I mean, that's not his wedding. At the funeral. And he escaped the Holocaust. He worked for the government. So he got pension. And so he retired early due to the pension, all the other benefits. And that's when he went full-fledged into being super handyman and fixing everything, you know, at the same time. And, you know, all my cousins will have stories of visiting them in Israel and they were in Israel for a year, you know, always helping them out no matter what. The fact that they got all these great-grandchildren who come over to see them and they're lucky enough that these great-grandchildren, because two of my cousins basically got married way, very young, and their parents had already got married very young, so they're like in their 40s, almost 50s now. And I'm, you know, one of the younger first cousins because my dad was the last one to get married. And his brother had two kids before he even had one. His brother's two other kids are younger than me, but there's also my brothers. The fact that I have first cousins who are 24 and 21, you know, guys who are like, you know, they're, they're you know, they've got cousins that are between 18 and 24, three years younger and more, you know, around my brothers ate some of them. And, you know, they raised a very nice daughter, my Aunt Marta, my favorite man, aunt, who raised three great kids and then their grand, their children, I love seeing as well. So we, it's just, it's, it was more of a shock that he passed away because he was so independent on all the things he could do at his age that nobody else could do. It was impressive. You never thought he was 100. It was just it was just a number. How people say age is just a number because he just celebrated his 100th birthday last December and that sort of thing. Losing, losing my other grandparents were difficult due to the fact that when I was born, I was the first grandchild. I also was. Also, they were pretty, they were young when I was born. So it wasn't like, I'd always thought, yeah, if I, if, you know, morbid thought that I'd lose any of my grandparents at some point, it would be the older ones, not the younger ones. But they were, they're very different, my grandparents. My grandmother still cooks and bakes and cleans and does, and so does all these things, you know, by herself. And the two of them were a great combination because he did this, she did that. He made coffee, bread. She made all these other things, sweeping, mopping, you know, vacuuming, all these different things the two of them would do together. As a, super, as a power couple, in a way, that they can do all these things. My grandfather was the one that drove around. You know, she didn't drive, but every, she, she did everything else. It was, it was a great combination. And, yeah, the fact that every single grandchild and, grand, and great-grandchild basically came in or came to talk to them and my grandmother and stuff, it was it's a testament to how much my grandfather impacted many people without even knowing as well. And just see it. 
count how many grandchildren and great-grandchildren, you know, wow, you have done stuff. Outside of being the veteran, outside of being the whole customer, outside of working in the government or being super handy, it was just, you know, it was my grandparents. I, my, my real grandfather, like I called him grandpa. I would visit, try to visit him every Thursday or Sunday the past couple of years. He would be the person, you know, I would go to even at his age. Hey, can you uh, fix this for me? Oh, this zipper broke on my winter coat. Can you figure out something or on my boot? Because that was the last conversation. I talked to him on that Thursday before that he passed away that I got zipper on my boots. I know I see the exact same boots in a different color. And he's like, don't ever buy boots with zippers. They're horrible. And I'm like, I know. The thing that pulls the zipper up on both my boots broke eventually. And I was trying to figure out with him what was the best thing to do and how to fix it. You know, we'd always, you know, grab, my dad would grab beer from him, salt to walk, salt the sidewalks. Every Thursday, I'd come and take out the trash and recycling for him, you know, as a, as a thing. Like, they do something, you know, beneficial for us, like do the taxes and thing. And we just have him for him all the time. He just recently got a new laptop, and he's very excited about it. And then when he switched to Comcast, he did it before my father. Yeah, I was trying to convince my father to do it for years. He had a smartphone and was using it on a regular basis before my father's smartphone. And this was a man in his hundreds, you, you know, getting an iPhone, having multiple, having a smartphone, getting, going into the iPhone world. Having all those, you know, having a mo- different kinds of iPhones, things like that. Having a nice, you know, Toyota Corolla. He had a Buick before. And the fact that every year they make you take the test, it's a good thing for older people. But him, I don't think he needed to do the test every single year to prove how good of a driver was. Because there are people in their 20s through 60s that are horrible at driving. Somebody doesn't have a driver's license, but is in the car with my parents and other people. I notice how bad so many people on the road are that at 100 years old, if he's a better driver than most people on the road, He's super handy and can do so many things by himself. 100-year-old makes bread multiple times a week, like makes rye bread, okay, and a bread maker, and then slices them up great every single time. Makes Still makes the coffee every day. Occasionally, he would make the soups in the house, you know, the eggs in the house. He'd do so many different things. Like there's all these cabinets and shelves that were installed, you know, and different life fixtures and hook everything in the house. There was a rhyme or reason to. Upstairs downstairs and after a while because you know it was hard for them to get up and down the stairs they got those chairs that go up and down the stairs in the basement and outside of that they can do everything you know using their walker if they want to walk somewhere because religious Jews can't take a car so they have to go to a bar mitzvah or uh, or something or a wedding you know somebody will help hold on to them help them walk you know push their wheelchair or something but even my grandparents you know they when they first was were told there was too much for them to walk and they're like you got to use a walker you got to use a wheelchair they're like i don't want to be pushed in a wheelchair he was like too prideful to being pushed in a wheelchair or have a walker he just wanted to get to where you're supposed to be and if you needed help you'd ask you for help like anytime my grandfather picked down to pick us up off the floor or lift something or do something i'd always ask him he'd always be like give me the hand signal like eh, i got it you know what i mean same thing with my grandmother as well this whole entire time of this week in the morning period helping her with stuff she's like no she's got it because my grandmother in her 90s still makes food for me and my father and for my uncle and his kids. And she still bakes. She doesn't bake as much as she used to do, but she still bakes plenty of things and cooks plenty of things in the house as well. So it's amazing at their age they could do all these things. I, I have all these memories of that I have, I've been remembering of when I was in third grade and I went to Jewish day school. And we, that was when we moved to Skokie that my mother was working on specific days and she couldn't pick me up after school, my dad was still at work, that I would take the bus that goes to West Riders Park and drop me off on Devon Avenue by Whipple. And I'd walk over to my grandparents' house to be at the bus stop. And my grandmother helped me with my math homework. 
I would hang out with him and do things like that. He's not the grandparent who would go to me with a sporting event or a concert because I never really talked about music also. But we did have stuff in common, like the fact that my parent, grandparents, when they were raising their kids, they watched shows from like Dick Van Dyke to I Love Lucy to Westerns like Bonanza and Big Valley, all these Westerns. You know, watching, you know, the rock profiles, just you name it. Any of the old television shows from like the 50s, 60s, and 70s, they watched it with their kids. And then my dad passed them down to me and my brother. And my brother goes to encyclopedia knowledge and stuff. But yeah, I would talk to him about certain TV shows that I watched, you know, when I was a kid. But they're not from my child. They're from my parents' childhood or young adult. And they watch those shows too. Just lots and lots of westerns as well. Besides from the sitcoms. And uh, they had all these... They, he was old school. He bought all the DVDs of the shows he wanted to watch, and then he would have all of them for him to be able to watch. He'd always had two computers in the house, one upstairs, one downstairs. He, you know, was always ahead of time on more things for a person his age. Because most people, either they've lost their grandparents when they're in their 70s or 80s, or they're not able to help themselves. You know, he was really a 100-year-old, but not a 100-year-old. That sort of thing. So it's a shock that he passed away, but it's not also a surprise because when you were born, he was old. And he's always been the old person, but he never showed it to begin with. We also shared a birthday month. He was born in December like I was. So I always knew when his birthday was and when my birthday was because it was only, you know, about, you know, is it seven days apart? Yeah, it was only like a week apart from each other as well. So that's the sort of thing that it was, you know, all the doctors said that, he would be okay in a couple of days to a week. After recording the podcast last week, it was like I should go visit him maybe and figure out, you know, how he's doing. Because in Judaism, if you're a Kohen, which is from the tribe of Levites, that can't, you know, really go to hospitals because the chance of all the dead bodies in there and stuff. So it's 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 a little hard to say, yeah, I can go to the hospital and visit people and stuff like that. But he was still walking around, you know, sitting in a chair. Being like, I want to get out of here. He just want to be here. And that's what he was. He was always a fighter, but he also was always... He always wanted just not to do everything by himself, you know. And, you know, there was never a problem. He's always, there was always, you know, he had a pacemaker, all his things. But he was always was active and do what he was always doing. He'd always walk to synagogue every single day, you know, every single Sabbath, the Shabbat, and then go, you know, in the mornings during the weekdays and stuff. He would learn still, so he'd do all these things still at his age that were pretty and remarkable. But it's hard to say goodbye to him because in the last five years, I have lost my mom's father. My grandfather is more like a buddy. I lost my grandfather's brother, George, you know, the one who went to France to decode messages. And then he eventually lived in Miami for years. Uh, my dad's sister, my aunt Marta, my favorite aunt, you know, again, example of my grandfather had producing a really nice daughter and then we got a little bit of a break and then I as in 2018 I lost my grandmother and in 2019 I lost my other great uncle not the one say you I met but my mother's brother-in-law Irving I never got get close with him and then and then it was 2020 and this happened so I got one grandparent left and I'm gonna cherish it as much as I possibly can because it's not that she gives me food or does so much for us it's just I Really, my grandparents always been a huge part of my life, no matter which grandparents. They're just just a part of your life. I'm not one of those kids who goes like, I don't want to see my grandparents. I don't want to hang out with them. I ain't got nothing to do with them. They're not cool. No. I've always wanted to do with my grandparents. And when it comes to this side of the family, I like some of my cousins, but then I don't care for some others. But that's just 
it seems like I'm only seeing my cousins for negative things. There was two weddings last year, so it was positives that at least my grandfather got to go to his his oldest great-grandson's wedding last year. Think about that. My grandfather last year at 99 was at his great-grandson's, oldest great-grandson's wedding, and he got to go to another grandson's wedding. And I always thought as a kid, you know, when I got married, I was always hoping that my mom's parents would be able to see their grandchildren get married, but unfortunately that did not happen. That both, that both of them passed away in the last five years, and none of the grandparents' grandchildren got married. My three female cousins or my brother, none of us, but my grandfather at least got to see another grandchild and a great grandchild get married because it's very important. Like, but they get to see all these occasions, you know, and there was a bar, there's been a couple bar mitzvahs in the last couple of years, a couple bat mitzvahs. They got the, he got to see a lot of things and I will miss you very much. Grandpa, you know, Joseph Stein, he was, he was more than just a grandfather. He was more than just a, you know, a veteran who fought in the war, a Holocaust survivor, worked for the government in terms of working for the post office, super handy, great parent, great grandparent, great, he was a great parent, he's a great grandparent, he was a great, great grandparent, like he was great to his great grandchildren, everybody, you know, he impacted so many people as well. It's just going to be difficult now to no longer have either of my grandfathers, because, you know, when you're a male, you got a relationship with your grandfather, you know. Your grandmother, you know, they spoil you, they give you food, but you guys like that male thing with your grandfather. And I'm really going to miss you, Grandpa. I really am because it's one thing that I didn't have my other grandfather when I got you. Now I don't have both of you. It's been a bit difficult. So just dedicating this whole entire podcast this week to my grandfather, Joe. Rest in peace. He got to live to 100 years. Thanks for listening to On the Radar, episode number 19. Next week will be a lot more uh, uplifting as I talk about three new shows and the end of one show besides from baseball and basketball and football. See you next time for On the Radar and Radar. See ya. This was the On The Radar Show with Radar. For more from him, check out his Facebook page, On The Radar Entertainment Blog. His long-form articles are radar4428.blogspot.com. His YouTube account, On The Radar. Follow him on the Twitter at Radar4428 and download his podcasts from Apple Podcasts under on the radar.